happy Sunday, guys, or whatever day of the week you happen to be listening to this podcast in your car. My name is Sam Valentine. Welcome to the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I couldn't be happier. Do you want to know why? Because we have new reviews. I cannot tell you how happy this makes me. Thank you so much to Playa, 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 Play App, Ear00, Chocolate City USA, NM Mules, and Leland Lore for all of your reviews on the podcast. I'm pumped. Guys, review the podcast, please. I'll say your name out loud. You can also screenshot it and I'll share it on Instagram. It means the world to me and it takes two seconds. Please, please, please review the podcast. Thank you so much. Moving right along. Thank you so much for your interest and love of Tate from last week. I really thought he was a very enjoyable guest and he has such a big heart and he has so much going on and his career is getting bigger and bigger. And so thank you guys for joining me and getting to know him a little bit more. Uh, For next week, we are going back to actors and actresses. So we are going to try and flip-flop this year between some actors and some professionals and other spaces. So that's where we're headed for next week, just to give you a heads up. And this podcast is sponsored by We Audition. Weaudition.com, code BROKE25 for 25% off your membership. But I don't like math, so I'll just tell you that it comes out to $7.50 a month because... That's like nothing. I've paid so much more for acting classes my whole goddamn life. So $7.50 to act every day of the week if you so choose. Also, if you already have fully audition, you should let me know because then we can be readers for each other and that would be great. All right, we are going to get straight into the podcast stuff right here. I pre-recorded this intro right after I recorded the podcast, so you'll notice that right now I have my morning voice, and during this intro, I'm going to have a little bit gentler of my afternoon voice. So when you're um, jarred in your car and like, who the fuck is talking right now? Um, It's me, just like not first thing in the morning. So there you go. (laughs) Enjoy. Okay, flying into this week's episode of the podcast, we have Olivia Buntain and Claire Glassford. They are both intimacy professionals. One is an intimacy coordinator, Claire, and Olivia is an intimacy director. Why the two different titles? You're going to find out shortly. They explain that and so much more. We really get into talking about what is intimacy on a set, how you train for it as an actor, how you prepare, how you work for it your rights as an actor in nudity and simulated sexual situations, and so much more. These women are very knowledgeable, and they've both had experiences that are worth hearing about and worth learning from. We talk about how actors can be their own first advocate, and we really also touch on how non-union actors can help themselves and help others while on a set, which I think is something that we don't talk about often enough, but there's a lot of non-union actors who listen to this podcast, and you should be just as safe as anyone in SAG or otherwise. So I I'm going to let the two professionals take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Claire and Olivia. Hello. <laughs> Hi. We're doing it. It's officially on. We're talking about breakfast. Thank you guys so much for your time today. I know it's starting to get busy in January, so I appreciate you guys being here. Um, if you guys would just individually, so we can identify your voices, say who you are and kind of your experience in the entertainment business up until now, like a short blurb. Absolutely. I'm Olivia Buntain. Uh, Thank you so much for having us. This is so super duper exciting. Uh, I am mostly a director and writer um, and an intimacy director. Uh, 
I started off a few years ago in LA, uh, mostly working as an actor in classical theater. Um, and I guess to keep it brief, saw a lot of things that I wanted to change. <laughs> and that led me to becoming a director and an intimacy director. Awesome. And we also have Claire Glassford. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Um, I am an actor as well. Um, and I am beginning my journey to become an intimacy coordinator and learning as much as I can about what it is and education and how I can be better informed as both an actor and also someone who can just be a better collaborator on sets in terms of behind the camera. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what is it intimacy coordinator or intimacy director? Are they interchangeable? No. But okay. excellent question. Perfect. Let's start with that. Can we define those two things? Absolutely. Um, so in intim- basically, it's the difference between theater and film. So in the same way that there's like a stunt coordinator on, on a film set, you have now an intimacy coordinator uh, versus in theater when you would have a fight director, you have an intimacy director. So kind of in the same way you would see those roles coming in. This is someone who is hired for a specific scene or moment, like a fight or a sex scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and coordinators work on television sets and film sets and directors mostly work in theater. Cool. And is the training different to be those two yeah, different things? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Okay, cool. So like Claire is starting off uh, learning about being an intimacy coordinator and I'm also in the process of learning about being an intimacy coordinator, but I'm, I'm pretty much... more focused on on theater Uh, but there's a lot of additional sort of protocol you have to learn about just because theaters function so differently than film sets mm-hmm. do and I'm sure Claire can speak I more do, to that. I do think that intimacy coordinator it feels like it's the job is sort of in direct response to the text that is written on the page in the sense that with the director I feel like intimacy director on stage there's a little bit more of a freedom and like the name implies, like you get to go in and kind of direct the scene mm-hmm. um, a little bit more than, say, on a film and TV set. Although there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I think it kind of, the if I remember correctly, the term, the difference between the term comes actually from like legally being able to say that you're a director on set when someone else is being paid to be a director on set. interesting yeah it's also just about like um sort of equity contracts right so and and like uh union language so they're sort of because this is a new field within um film and television the coordinator um route is already sort of established for fight coordinators Mm -hmm. um and stunt coordinators and so a similar pathway is currently being established uh and as we see like with networks like hbo and other places stepping up to have more intimacy coordinators on set Mm -hmm. like that's kind of the professional pathway that's being built as kind of a mirror image although they're two different positions so why do you think that we haven't really seen them on a lot of the audience's film and television actors um have is this been more prominent in theater and now it's like starting to be more prominent in film intelligent or is it something we just hadn't talked about until now is it just kind of becoming in the rhetoric because of the me too movement and times up and stuff like that like was this was this beforehand popular i think the origins started theatrically um and that is how the founders of intimacy directors international uh, who train a lot of intimacy coordinators mm-hmm. and where a lot of the people get their start out here in L.A. Is that the main 
That's the main one, right? That's the one yeah. I found online the easiest. Yeah. So yeah. there are a couple of different organizations, but I would say, uh, you know, in my opinion, Intimacy yeah. Directors International is kind of the the leading force right now in the country. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, there, or like you said, there are other organizations. What I've found in research for just training and studying and learning information, it's less of a um, – oh, this is a position and, oh, how do we inform directors and actors to be better on set, like to be more mindful about consent. Um, but I think having that specific role is incredibly important. Yeah. I and like, believe it's taken us this long to have these conversations. Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> like there's, there's, you know, handlers for children. There's, you know, and coordinators for children, coordinators for stunts and pets and da-da-da-da. And then here we are with humans having very, very, very intimate interactions. Uh-huh. And a lot of times I've been on several sets where that has not been at all handled with right careful hands. Right. And I think that unfortunately, um, I mean, there's like anytime you have this conversation that I've noticed around intimacy coordination or intimacy direction is like, there's, there's the bad news and the good news. Mm-hmm. The bad news is that probably anyone listening to this podcast can remember one of their first few jobs in the city and how horrible it was Mm -hmm. because they were taken advantage of or like they didn't know what the lines were or someone told them to be sexier and they didn't know what that meant like we have had teacher yeah director someone in position of power is like be sexy what does that mean totally and so we've been living in like a complete culture of silence around it and um it this work really started to take off. Um, the, the founder uh, and director of Intimacy Directors International is Tonya Cena. Um, and this work and her sort of team of people, they had all started to take off right around the same time as like Time's Up, Me Too. Mm-hmm. So those two things, they weren't, they weren't like, you know, conniving to be like let's let's ha- have this happen at the same time it, wasn't it came together okay. mm-hmm. um and and as and you know these are sort of two separate topics but they're very linked in that like the prevalence of sexual harassment in the industry and what actual choreographing of uh stimulated simulated intimacy and sex is on stage yeah um so they do they do inform each other greatly and the, and the position of an IC or an ID it does deal with both of those things but um, I think an important thing to clarify a lot is that like hiring an intimacy coordinator or director is not bringing like a like a safety patrol on mm-hmm. set you know mm-hmm. it's not just someone to like do wrist slaps it's also someone to make better art mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of complicated but very I mean, cool if you feel safer as an actor and feel taken care of in that moment how I know for me I can go so much deeper in that character knowing that like you know that that person's gonna be watching if the choreography changes and then it's all of a sudden putting my body in a position that is like not something that I really asked for um and then you kind of you out of it it takes you out of it and then you're like actually be you're actually the actor and not the character you're Mm -hmm. like having thoughts of like that are just completely the thoughts you should not be having, you know, while yeah, you're doing it's a scene. The same, I, to me, it, it, it renders the same thing as doing a stunt, right? Yeah. If, you're, if you're on a green screen and you're supposed to be climbing a wall and you actually feel in danger, you're not going to necessarily answer as the character. You're going to answer as your human self mm-hmm. in yeah. a possibly dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear, 
and kind of uh, a more detailed view of of what these do. And I love that I have you both here because you can talk more about theater and you can kind of talk about how you're learning from the ground up about sure. being on sets. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of want to talk about um, what that is in a little more detail, like totally. what your specific job would be, you show up to a theater and. Yeah. <laughs> so like in an ideal situation when you're working as an intimacy director, uh, Again, this is not what always happens. Uh-huh. This is like if you told a me what is your dream scenario. job yeah. like. So someone Let's would set that up for people, so then that's their expectation, and then they'll make that. <laughs> love it. Like oh, this is the way it. we do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you would have an intimacy director come in for a table read if you mm-hmm. know that you're doing a show that involves like heightened intimate moments. And what um, qualifies as an intimate moment? Well, I mean. You know, it that's that's a really good question. I think if you have simulated sex on stage, you should have an intimacy director, kind mm-hmm. of point blank. There are people like if you brought an intimacy director on to do a kiss, like it I don't know if you would need to do that, but I can tell you like you probably get a better kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh because it's kind of like we if we actually pause and like look at all of the different things you can do with your body and like how many different kinds of stories we can tell, um, the intimate scenes we've been doing like just aren't that good because like you basically (laughs) tell two people like, okay, like kiss, have more chemistry. And suddenly everyone's anxious. They're like, do I look okay? Does this person like me? Like what if I communicate in this way, are they going to think this thing? And like, if you have someone there to just be like, Hey, this is a job. I'm going to give you specific instructions on how to use your body to tell the story we want to tell. Every like everyone is better at their job and everyone can take a breath and be like, "Okay, it's not on me to like suddenly be the sexiest person alive or to like think about whether my director thinks I'm attractive or doing a good kiss or whether I know how to kiss anymore or, or whether you, you know, have to be attracted to your co-star exactly, yeah. like, actually in real life. It, it's yeah. weird. Like and everyone has those horror stories of like, you know, the the director like sent us into the lobby and was like, make the kiss work. And suddenly, you know, it's like, that's yeah. horrifying. Right. So anyway, I'm like squirming I know. right now as we describe this. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, we can even just go back to like, probably all of us were like in, you know, our middle school drama department and your director is like, don't stop kissing until they stop applauding. And suddenly you have some like <laughs> acne covered tongue down your throat oh, and you're like, God. help me please. Oh, um, like that should never happen ever again. Yeah. Forever. So anyway, that was far afield. But no, the, no, no. the point is you bring, you would bring an intimacy director on for table work and um, there are sort of main things that an intimacy director looks at, which is like, why is the intimacy happening? What story is it telling? Um, And sort of how can we, how is the intimacy serving the story and in what way? And then... Context. Yeah, context, exactly. Um, And then, you know, they would come back for a specific set of rehearsals where you actually choreograph what that moment looks like. Mm -hmm. And you work with the actors to create kind of like a a score and a blueprint for what this intimate interaction is. Okay. Um, So that, you know, it's not... And it doesn't have to be like totally regulated, but it is about building trust with your scene partner and knowing what the different points are going to hit are. Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing... 
if you're doing a fight on stage, for example, you know, like, you know, like, okay, this punch is going to come in here, which means that my head needs to be here Mm -hmm. in the same way. It's like, okay, I'm going to grab this person's hips, which means like my hips need to be here. And, Mm -hmm. and I can anticipate how hard that grab is going to be because if you're in a run of a play and one night the, the grab is just kind of like, oh, I'm going to gently bring you towards me. And then the next night someone's like pulling you in. That's scary. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, you don't know, is this in the play? Is this in real life? What's going to happen next? So it's basically about charting the scope of that intimate interaction in a way that makes everyone feel safe, empowered, and able to do the work in the best way. And then, like in in any kind of fight, once the show is up, it's the stage manager's responsibility to make sure that choreography is being followed. I was going to say, so do you, so you... Is it kind of like dance choreo? <laughs> I mean, listen, I've never done. I don't know why that's my question. I've never done dance in my entire life. <laughs> but is it kind of like that in where you would practice it and then you're not necessarily there for all the rehearsals from then on out? It's like you uh, you help them coordinate it, um, kind of like choreograph it in a way, mm-hmm. and then it's up to the actors and other people to like maintain the choreography for yeah. the run of the show. And do you like you don't write it down? Do you write it down? Like how does this work? In I think detail? you know if it's really complicated, you totally could write it down. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know you are often asked to come in a couple times to sort of see. And and if something shifts, that's a moment to be like, okay, you guys did something different. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. Was that an intentional choice? Do we feel comfortable with that? Does that still line up with the story that both the director and the intimacy director wants to be telling? Okay. Um, And basically it's, you know, supposed to, like in Chicago, you know, they have Jeff Awards for intimacy direction. And so someone could get an award for the direction of this intimate moment, which means that that intimate moment has to be what, I mean, it's not because they could get an award that it has to be this way, right. but it's just saying that like we can actually create a story that is intentional and technical enough that that's like a mark of a good intimacy director, that cool. you can look at that work and say like, oh, that's a style, like I see that. Um, so then it's the responsibility of the creative team to make sure that that choreography is being followed and that story is being told in the way it was intended to be. Cool. Okay, very cool. Claire, do you want to talk a little bit about um, yeah. being on set and yeah. if, if the major differences between those between those two? So I think the major difference is that is time. Is time is really kind of everything on a film and TV set. Um, the structure still exists. Now I'm going to speak from my experience too. Yeah. So I've worked on. Um, I'm in the process of training, basically. Yeah. And I've completed X amount of hours or like 80 hours or something like that. And then have worked on set as an intimacy coordinator for a project. And uh, the experience was that in which I got to go to the rehearsal beforehand. I choreographed and worked on the specific moment with both of the actors and the director present. Um, Basically, once we had that initial rehearsal, we were able to then take it to... It was a one-day shoot. Mm-hmm. We explored that moment, had a little bit of a rehearsal the day of the shoot, went in, had that moment on set um, between these two characters. I was there. Basically, that was it. It was done. And okay. then I left. Um, so for so- you entering that kind of a space, do you first talk to the director and the the production team and then to the actors? What's the chain of command on something like that? Yeah, so the first thing is, we talked about this, but context, so getting the script and Mm -hmm. kind of getting an idea of what the story that's being told and how we want to then 
retell it, but physically how we want to tell it with our bodies. Um, And then after that, I... I then went on set and worked with both of the actors and we kind of, or rather in rehearsal, and we choreographed this moment together about sort of they approached me and we did this thing where, um, this is a little bit more specific, but yeah. talked about containers of like specific parts of your body that you're like comfortable being touched or there are certain things that you just don't want to have touched, doesn't mm-hmm. need to be explained. It's literally just like, no, I'm. this is not cool with me and then once we sort of established that um it's also important I think to recognize that the containers that are on that given day could completely change the next day Uh, meaning containers meaning like like I am comfortable with you touching certain parts of my body or something and then how basically your well it's really just consent but for the next time that you're on set you may have a schedule or a plan of what this like kiss or look or movement or body movement is going to look like um but then also kind of being able to adjust it and knowing you have the ability to then if you show up on set one day and you realize I haven't worked specifically on this but if the actor is like you know I don't want to have take my top off even though it's in my contract like I don't feel comfortable doing that, though I did do it like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable doing that today. And yes. that is then the role of the intimacy coordinator to amplify the actor's voice in that moment. Um, uh, okay. So yeah. it's a, it becomes a, a lot of communication. Then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's sort of the second part of either of these jobs is advocacy. So there's okay. the actual creative work that happens in the staging mm-hmm. of something, mm-hmm. but it's also a disruption of a power dynamic um, because, you know, actors are so often just kind of at the mercies of the creative team of the producers or yes. of the directors. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if that's like a very top-down structure, an intimacy director or an intimacy coordinator comes in the middle and disrupts that. And suddenly yeah. there's someone who uh, the actor can go to and say, you know what, like, I'm really not comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. And that's an adjustment that the intimacy director or coordinator can make without having to put the actor in that line of fire. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. That's really, it sounds really nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wants to be the actor who then has to call, like, for a break on set when everyone's sort of looking around at you and is like, let's go, we got to go, we got to go. So having the ability to be like, you know, kind of whisper over to the side or say like, I don't want this thing, is it weird? Mm-hmm. Or specific like garments aren't working the way that, so that's all what I would imagine is slightly different from working in theater in that there is sort of this conversation that exists with the intimacy coordinator and the wardrobe on sets so providing sort of garments that can act as a buffer mm-hmm. and um, also like a robe, having a robe on set, having slippers, making sure that it's a closed set. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask some specific questions about those things? Yeah. I, and, well, and I'm, there's no like censoring on this, so like feel free. Can you explain to our actors who have maybe never done a sex scene before? Uh-huh. Um, because I've done some ones that could have used you guys on it. Um, it's like I think how... We all have. <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially my girls who are listening who have been like prostitute number two. Like yeah. we've had some we've had some rough times and I'm glad we can talk about this. So mm-hmm. can we get down to the details of like on a film set, for example, like, um, like I think there's a lot of like weird terms like cock sock and like weird things like that that like actually like what do, what's it called and what do people wear in sex scenes? 
I mean, that, <laughs> so that can vary a lot yeah. um, across sort of different methodologies. And I think, you know, like there are, these are all things that are getting kind of codified as we speak yeah. in terms of like a more, um, kind of like a set of rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. And I know it depends on based on the shot and stuff too. Like. Yeah. And so like the kind of thing that we start to talk about is barriers mm-hmm. and like making sure that like you're not actually like touching this feeling someone else's genitals. Yes. Like, you know, like how can we, how it's, it's about stage magic. Mm-hmm. Like how do we rig things so that, you know, you are not put in a position where you feel like you are actually having sex with someone because yeah. you never should be. You never ever should be having sex with someone unless you are a sex worker, like, and, and getting paid for it. That's like, if you're a sex worker, great. That's your own thing. Mm-hmm. But actors should not be doing that. Um, and because we've just never addressed that, uh, there, there have been no written down rules to say there's, that's the truth. There's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say there is no store mm-hmm. that exists yeah. that has, oh, this is for the upper part of your body. Like this is yes. that garment, yeah. or this is that garment. Or so, do they like, just like make these things I, up as they? I think because I've been on some weird sets with this stuff. A lot of times what happens is this, this historically, this job on film sets has fallen to, and I think to a degree in theater has fallen to costume designers who Mm -hmm. just come up with something. And I would even say emotionally, some of the responsibilities have actually fallen on like hair and makeup people. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that's exactly. a bigger conversation. Yeah. And these are like totally unsung heroes of the industry. Like okay. they, you know, they've been they've been taking the emotional brunt of this labor for a long time. Um, and so I think you know there are there are certain sort of uh, tools that are getting used more frequently on sets, but um, like those are things that also were like we're trying to develop language around in a really intentional way so that they're used responsibly. Yeah, are there. What are they, and are, do they have names? Like what? Like what does a woman wear when she's mostly naked in a sex scene? Well, there. I'm trying to think of the exact name for that. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten there like, in my training yet, yeah. so I don't have that answer. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it's called. Well, there's definitely that thing that people wear that's like, uh, like. <laughs> I know I've talked to a wig maker about this. It's a. Is it a merkin? Uh, what it's, it's fake pubic <laughs> hair that actually oh. like covers your vulva. Um, Interesting. it's an, I don't know if it's a Merkin. I know it rhymes with Erkin, whatever. Okay. It is. <laughs> uh, but wig makers make those, right? Um, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, see, this is the stuff I think people really want to know. Cause it also, the more you know about the details, the more comfortable you can be in a right. situation, which is right. literally, you, can, you know what your you're saying. So you know what you're saying? Yes to, right? Like you, yes. Because when the people say simulated sex scene, yeah. Uh, partial nudity it's like well obviously that has to be a conversation with your reps and with the film well like when you're on a set and you're about to do it it's like what am I gonna wear that day yeah and that is part of any intimacy coordinator or um, choreographer director who's really serving you like there should be a conversation before you show up to set. Yeah. So you talk and you say like, this is my plan. This is what I'm looking at. Do you have anything that I need to know about? Like, are, are there any boundaries happening for you? And obviously like they work to prepare you so that you're not just showing up like, you know, in a camisole and like a, bring a robe and sort of hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Like the whole deal is that there's more transparency. Like, I don't think we're at a point yet in the field where we can be like, here's your list of, you know, like things you can use, things you can expect, but you can expect to have a conversation. And if you're not getting that conversation, it is in your right 
to ask for an intimacy coordinator, ask mm-hmm. for an intimacy director, or someone to come step in and help. Well, to that, I was just going to make a point that as an actor and with your reps and you book a job, you get to say like, hey, with your rep, like I would like to have an intimacy coordinator or like this would be important to me to do this show or whatever. And I actually think in terms of the more we see these jobs or the more we ask for this, this need as actors, Mm -hmm. the more we'll have this type of that's just be commonplace on set is yeah. having these types of conversations. Yeah. What are our rights as I'm, I'm going to say union actors. Cause I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to answer the non-union question. Mm-hmm. That's um, actually one of my favorite questions to talk about. So if we here want she to, goes. Oh, really? yeah. okay. Wait for non-union or for union? For non-union. Okay. Okay. Let's start with that then for non-union actors. What are their rights to intimacy coordinators or directors to certain questions um, and to uh, nudity and stuff like that and situations on set so or in theater you're Mm -hmm. right that talking about union stuff is gonna be a little bit of a a clear pathway still like we're not you know we're not out of the woods yet things are still getting getting um, established but the reason that I, I really want and I always try to include non-union folks in this conversation is because um, that's where so many of us start out. Absolutely. And that's where there is there is currently not anyone um, where where we can say when something has gone wrong. I mean, that's when you the know? weird stuff really yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, at least personally. Not yeah. that bad stuff doesn't happen in union projects, but no. you at least have a reporting process. Yes. You have yeah. something in There's place. There's no hierarchy for non-union work. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, something I really like to call every actor in Los Angeles's attention to is um, this uh, organization called Not In Our House that was started in Chicago circa sort of, I think it's like 2007. Um, It was right around um, when this whole uh, scandal broke out around the Profiles Theater Company, which was um, one of their like storefront um, non-union theaters that was getting a ton of awards. This was like the cutting edge of like gritty Chicago storefront theater. And basically it came to light that for about two decades, the artistic director had been systematically bringing in young women who were non-union actors, uh, dating them, casting them, assaulting them, abusing them for two decades. And everyone just kind of turned a blind eye. Um, and, And because it was such a manipulative and isolating experience, no one... And he had so much power. Mm-hmm. No one talked to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was like, oh, we just know that they'll side with him or it must be me. I'm having a weird experience. Um, and so, and because everyone was so inexperienced, people just thought that was the way theater worked. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think if there's the most important thing anyone can get from talking about this, it's that like nothing which makes you feel unsafe is the way that the industry should work. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. you feel unsafe, it's not right. And so basically Chicago created in, in response to this and just sort of um, in response to a lot of other scandals that were happening when Me Too was coming out, when Time's Up was coming out, uh, this uh, code of contact called Not In Our House. And it's basically for non-union actors modeled off of union standards okay. that you can bring to your company and be like, hey, please use this. Um, and like, 
we like it's a, it's my theater company that I run called Project Nonjanue operates off of a very sim. We've adapted it for for our own company, but we started with that. Um, and basically, not in our house is a great place to start if you want to learn about sort of as a non-union person, what you should be getting. Okay. Um, and so even though those things aren't in place for us yet, you at least have the knowledge. You can start arming yourself with the knowledge of, of what kind of rules and protections you 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 should start asking for. Because okay, I think cool. for non-union folks, the biggest thing we can do, myself like as an occasional non-union actor and someone mm-hmm. who started as a non-union actor, like we just have to be in the room for each other. Like if you see something that doesn't seem right, Mm-hmm. The only person who can change that right now is us. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a big thing because um, it means putting our careers on the line sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're starting to see the shift. Like people are, it's starting to become a critical mass of people who do stand up to the people like the artistic director of Profiles. But it mm-hmm. takes a lot and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of community. Um, so anyway. what, what are those like rights then like yeah. kind of a, if you want to give us a few of them from our theater company um I mean basically it I think particularly when it pertains to this and I, I will speak mostly to theater but like if you're in a non-union production you can ask at you can ask for an intimacy director or at the very least you can ask for a movement person to come in mm-hmm. and do the work at the very least you can ask for someone other than the director to be there and help facilitate this process and to have the stage manager write down what's happening and know what that choreography is supposed to look like so that if later on the chore- choreography starts shifting yeah. mm-hmm. you can say I'm like actually this it. is what we agreed to and it's written down and what stage in the process would you ask for something like that for theater I would say if you know that it's gonna happen early on no yeah yeah if you know that there's gonna be a scene where you could use one you ask early on or if you get there and you're like you know what I need (laughs) I need something different than what's happening Mm -hmm. then you say it then right but I think the earlier the better I think um something that is beginning is kind of this conversation with even in the casting room there is space in casting as well to create a better language. So is the so then for union stuff is that is it different um, the set of things like for uh, especially for like a SAG actor what what can you ask for when you're going into these situations like does it I think the prop the hardest thing sometimes is because we just want to be like the easiest person to work with. Mm-hmm. We and uh, any disruption of anyone's day seems like. Mm-hmm. you know, they're never going to hire me back again. They mm-hmm. could fire me. They could easily find someone else. Like they could find someone else to be hot girl number two or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. who will not ask for things. I think, I think how can we change that sort of desperation within ourselves mm-hmm. to give ourselves back the power that we just innately have? Um, and just knowing too, like what our rights are yeah, will change that, I think. Yeah. I mean, you can always ask because you're rep, like I said, for to have an intimacy coordinator on set. You also, in terms of any, any nudity, will have a writer, will have to sign something. You should always have a writer for nudity. Mm-hmm. And you should always have advance notice for nudity. No there is can, no like yeah. pulling, oh, today is a day that nope. you're going to be topless. It's, yeah. No. And unless you had a conversation or signed. And even if you had a conversation or signed for that, that can then be revoked. Um, in terms of saying, like, you can talk with the intimacy coordinator specifically, and you'll make adjustments with the scene. Okay, you know, the worst case scenario, what, is you get fired, right? Yeah, I mean, the part of part of what 
as the actor, fired as the actor, mm-hmm. you might lose a job, but you would only lose that job if it's something you don't want to do. If the job is something like if the job requires you to like engage in something you are actually not comfortable in, mm-hmm. then the worst case scenario is they take you off the project. If we're working with, you know, good creative leaders, then everyone should know there's more than one way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like an example that one of my mentors uses a lot is just because you agree to play Juliet doesn't mean actually that you've agreed to a kiss. There are a million ways to tell the story of a kiss. One of them is like smooching. Mm-hmm. Like one of them is like, I mean, who among us has not had a far more heated like eye contact moment oh, than a kiss? You know, like there there are so <laughs> many different pathways to these things. Like something I specialize in um, as an intimacy director is really hyper stylized moments of intimacy um, where like it's you're watching something that's like really sexy, but it's like not, you're not just like watching two people like, you know, hip thrusting for three minutes. Uh Like you're watching something that feels like really intimate and like in these kind of like dimly lit corners of human experience where like we all know like intimacy is really complicated. Intimacy is about power. It's about nuance. It's about beauty. And it's like we want to tell these stories in a way that are like so much more simple and kind of, I don't know, um, what's that word for lighting that's gross? Fluorescent lighting? Like, uh it's just, it's the fluorescent (laughs) lighting version of intimacy when, like, actually, if we take more care and nuance to it, it can be a lot more beautiful, so. I mean, I want you to handle all of my scenes. (laughs) That sounds fun. I think... I just think life scene. She's not even really talking about acting. I don't think I've kissed my fiance that successfully, <laughs> probably in a long time. Uh, so, going back to like my actress who gets the scene. Okay, so let's say let's play like guest star scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you find out a week in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a nudity writer, mm-hmm. do you need to have that established? Obviously, like it's good to have that conversation with your reps ahead of time. Like when you first start working with them, yes, I will do this. No, I will not do this. Mm -hmm. That kind of a thing. But then obviously you go out for the role. It would say simulated sexual situations. Let's say, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. a pretty common one. Um, And then would you, you found out you booked it. Mm -hmm. Would you talk uh, specifically about your writer? Um, It's R-Y-D-E-R. Am I, is that right? Because it's not right. Isn't it? Is that true? It's r- it's your writer. I don't. It's not. Google. It starts with an R. Um, this film stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Cecilia. Um, That's where she's here. And for the pretty pictures. For that, would you have that conversation after you've booked that, or is that something you need to have in advance? I mean, and again, I that's, think it depends on the project. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Um, like, do people just I know have people, them? I know celebrities have, like, writers, but it's like, well, I only I have know. blue M&Ms in my trailer, but... Blue M&Ms, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, nice life. Um, no, I do know that in the casting process, they will go ahead and have actors sign that writer before, like, okay. d- as they get the job type thing. So production would get yes. that to you. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then in terms... Our eye. Oh, like I, a respect writer. That's what I thought. I just oh. didn't want to be stupid. Great. Oh, yeah. I'll be stupid. I, was, I thought it was R-Y. Uh, Listen, acting major, not English. Oh, no. <laughs> we're all very smart. Um, Where were we? But yes, I think casting gives it to you before. Okay. I mean, there's a lot to that. 
there's a lot that is still being worked out. Because it's changing. Because it's yes. changing. And because it's um, uh, specifically IDI is partnering or working in negotiations with SAG to create a standard mm-hmm. for all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so... And not just That's, IDI, it's sort of intimacy yeah. professionals across, like the leaders of the field right now are in conversations yes, yes. with That's fantastic, yeah. by the way. Yeah. If people want to know, uh, uh, would that be something that they could talk to IDI about if they're curious? I think that... Um, what that I conversation do, is? I, I know that they encourage like reps to reach out to them to have those yeah. types of conversations. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, there was an article that literally came out, I think, yesterday about some of the changes that are happening. Oh, oh fantastic! Maybe okay, we can cool. Send we can that we can link out. that. Yeah. Um, and because I'd love notes. to know. That's what people. Say. Yeah, in the show notes on the podcast on the website. <laughs> uh, that's that's really cool. Yeah. How do we make this something attainable to our new actors who might be non-union or might be union like it's their first time going to something Mm -hmm. like what's what are some things what are some tips we can give them um on the onset of this like educating yourself about sort of I would go back to the pillars Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. um so I don't think it's always the case that you're going to have someone who's going to help you work on this scene like as an intimacy coordinator, especially on a non-union project. Mm-hmm. But I do think that people are becoming more mindful of the language, talking about consent, mm-hmm. talking about, um, like, communicating about the choreography, looking at the context. And that can even be a conversation, a dialogue that happens amongst you and your fellow actor and also the director, um, I think I think the more we can empower actors to say to speak up when things aren't feeling great or yeah. weird and the more we can sort of give ourselves that power to be not we're not being like the bad difficult. actor or I difficult. Know. Guess so, what? You're yeah. actually expressing your needs and there is a way that we can be super direct and clear and honestly it'll make the scene and the art that much better do you think it's then a lot of a good a good tip for actors would be to be preemptive to be once they know they're getting a role with this kind of thing especially like like a non-union feature for example Mm -hmm. you might shoot that four weeks from now Mm -hmm. um is it better to be preemptive about that communication in the beginning listen I want to uh have a conversation with you about the sex scene we're going to film eventually I want to talk about that like open from the beginning is like preemptivity I I don't even know if that's a word is that like a good thing I think I think it's all about being like it it's hard in an industry where um no as a word has not felt like an option because that means that yes also doesn't actually mean anything right because, because you often have no, no. when we say yes we are we are actually saying no um and that that's really upsetting when we live in a culture that is like trying to champion yes means yes we, like the creative industries are decades behind other industries in terms of consent and sexual harassment mm-hmm. uh, and that is something like we all need to just deal with because, uh, like, <laughs> I don't know, being respectful of people's boundaries does not mean you can't, like, have a fun time. Like, you you know, it's there's, there's this idea that 
Um, some some of what we're getting in terms of pushback to intimacy choreography is that like some safety hounds coming in and like jeopardizing creative freedom and and like now we can't go out to drinks with our coworkers. Like no no people in other jobs like still have fun, still have friendships, still have dynamic work. Uh, this is just about actual like human decency and creating a space where no means something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, I think the preemptive conversation is helpful. I think also just, this isn't an, this isn't really an easy answer, but the more as a community that we can start modeling the behavior of knowing our own boundaries and not being afraid to share them, mm-hmm. the more it's mm-hmm. going to be normalized. Mm-hmm. And so like, like one really simple tool that I think is is really helpful is thinking about what it means. Like you go into an audition, uh, it's high stakes. This is like maybe it's the first thing you've been called out on, and and you're you know meeting. It's it's a it's a love scene with someone else, and there's probably going to be a kiss, right? And the director is like, okay, like this is the scene. These are the sides. You guys should kiss. The casting director tells you to. Um, what if in that moment you take two seconds and just like turn to your partner you're reading with and be like. Hey, are you comfortable kissing right now? Like, is there something you'd rather do? Like, are you okay if I put my arm around you? Like, Mm -hmm. we can take that. Mm -hmm. Like, we can take that moment and still do a good job. We can probably do a better job because suddenly you're not like, I just have this memory of an audition where this man's mouth was just like coming towards me. (laughs) Like, I remember it in slow motion and I'm like, no, like it's going to eat me. Um, But like, what if we just start taking that moment and what if we if we all, it's like, I'm, I'm like trying to like, I feel like I'm trying to unionize non-union people, but I'm like, if we all start changing our standards, then, then they have to change their standards too. Yeah. I mean, it is so crazy that we're asked not to shake hands with a casting director, but you're in a room with another actor and they will touch you without asking you. That is wild. I think it even goes so far as in the classroom and I think at universities and the way that, um, teachers have a responsibility or professors of educating themselves with consent and um and creating a safer spot and space for uh actors to then go rehearse with one another and it not be two people in a room making out I mean we all know that like have had Mm -hmm. Meisner exercise I mean some of maybe anyone else has just me yeah okay um but uh but how can we just really kind of separate – well, I think as actors and as you're learning and you're basically children when you go to college, it's yeah. like you can't really separate the, like, character – the feelings from the character versus the feelings from, like, the self. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and you don't think you're supposed to. Yeah, you think, you think you're, you're rewarded. Actor, yes. Your true feelings should be that of the character. Yes. Which, like – I cannot say yeah. more is actually bad acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really like. I mean, I guess, I guess having a conversation with a method actor would be would a little would be different. A conversation <laughs> with a method actor would be me punting them out of this room. <laughs> but although it's a very challenging lifestyle choice. Yeah. Although <laughs> I know that this is someone else's story, but. Um, Having worked, and another intimacy coordinator was working with a method actor on set, and in terms of communication, the method actor had a really difficult time, like, was, like, in in his character and wouldn't, like, say to this intimacy coordinator, oh, I'm ready to go, or, like, 
oh, this is too much for me. Instead, he would sort of like push over a chair and it become these really extreme, insane moments. And she was describing having to sort of reel this person back. And eventually, the method actor still continued performing as a method actor would, but they developed a handshake that although he wouldn't give a verbal consent, he they had like a handshake of like, oh, you know, this is me as the person saying mm-hmm. that I'm ready to go and ready to do this scene. Um, interesting. Yeah. Oh, no, so they worked around it. That's so they worked around it. I mean, I think they're, I think you just have to have two willing um, participants and people. Uh, three, I guess, if you're counting the intimacy. Yeah, I mean, well. and again, like, I joke about punting method actors. I have a lot of we we can do a different pod, podcast on me talking about my feelings <laughs> about method acting. But um, in seriousness, like you can, you can work around things as long as like you as an actor understand that your process should never involve uh, interrupting someone else's safety. Like you, yes. you cannot have a process that is about violating someone's boundaries. Yes. That's, this is Period. a job. This is a profession. That's not acceptable. Yeah. So do whatever you need to, but know that like you have a responsibility to your coworker. Although I recognize that there have been people who have been rewarded for that behavior in this industry in the past. So well, especially I, if they're bigger names. Like, yeah. Can you believe he got, he got yeah. away with smashing the tables on set? Like, and the reason why she had that fi- like face was because he actually hit her. You know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't planned. But the actors who are listening to this, you cannot break shit. You cannot mm. touch another person. You cannot like. Where th- those actors who are doing it shouldn't do it either, but we glamorize it in the media, which is different. And it's it's not. I mean, again, like I think the biggest um, the, the devil's advocate argument, right, is that like, oh, that's when it's real. But like, if we take this back to a stage combat place, like when an audience member starts to see that this looks like a real fight, they become afraid. Nervous, yeah. And then they are out of the story. They are thinking about whether you guys are safe. They're realizing things are sloppy. Mm-hmm. They're realizing things feel chaotic. And that's not the story. So it's actually not in service of the craft. Um, and I, I really wholeheartedly believe that as someone who like lives and breathes storytelling part of the reason I do this work is not just because I like care about consent, which I do deeply, but because I want to make the best art possible. Mm -hmm. And the best art is about like, is creating a structure where we can play in, but like that structure has to be there. Otherwise we're just, it's like, we're just jacking off. I don't like you. This is, you do something that I, I really, in our workshop, talked about in terms of the difference between it being uncomfortable or the the uh, scale oh, in yeah. which something is uncomfortable versus something safe yeah. and like the kind of middle ground in which this work exists yeah yeah I mean I, credit where credit is due like I have some incredible truly incredible mentors within Intimacy Directors International I think the first time I was shown this um, scale was from Claire Warden who's um, done like some incredible she's the first um, intimacy director on on Broadway Broadway. she's amazing it's it's kind of hard to demonstrate without a visual but um, if you imagine do you have a photo of it Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I could just draw it and, you know, you can send, send it to it, you. Yeah. You can send it to me. I'll put it on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, so if you imagine, like, a line, um, and from the first part of the line to the second part of the line, um, we will write over that comfort. Mm-hmm. And then from the second part of the line to the third notch in the line, we'll write over that space 
uh, discomfort. And then from the third notch in the line to the end of the line, we're going to write unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in between the end of the comfort line and the, the end of the discomfort line, uh, I would argue, and like people who have come before me would argue, that is where both art happens mm-hmm. and where growth happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you, discomfort isn't a bad thing. Everything we do that is beautiful comes from discomfort. Mm -hmm. Lack of safety is in the same way that like, there are really very real physical metaphors for this stuff. Like if you're training for something, um, if you're like trying to build muscle or whatever, when you are like doing another five reps, it doesn't feel comfortable. It's really hard. Yeah. But if you then decided to do like 30 more reps, you would be straining so much that you would sprain your muscle. Mm -hmm. And then that would set you back in your training and you could no longer do what you were supposed to do. And so the idea is stay in this discomfort range where you feel like you're pushing yourself and it's good and it's active. But like once you get into unsafe, that that becomes traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And that takes you away from the work. And literally no one is going to be better for you pushing yourself past a point that like, you can work that stops your career that like forces you to go do healing I mean like go see there you know what I mean like go see a therapist like I I mean or you're always seeing a therapist and you have to go extra times you know what I mean like (laughs) um yeah Yeah, unless you have a big budget yeah uh, (laughs) um for I know you're um, working on your certification right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of, um, we'll kind of wrap up with this question um, because it'll take a few minutes, I think, to explain what qualifies you to be an intimacy coordinator or director. Um, Where do you go to learn? And then Mm -hmm. what do you learn in those specific workshops or classes? Sure. I guess I'll jump in for Mm -hmm. that. Um, What qualifies you? I think we're at an interesting moment in time in that, the work is the field is asking for so many intimacy coordinators like they the jobs are there the people that have been trained and are prepared to take those jobs are few there's Mm -hmm. you know um what I've experienced is I have personally been training and working with IDI um and have taken uh their workshops that are listed mm-hmm. on their website. I've taken a couple of them. Is it like um, a structure of them you follow? Like one, is it like, like an yeah. improv you take like 101? Yeah, so there is, um, it's it's not so uh, formal as that. Like mm-hmm. I wish it was. I think that they are trying to figure out. Uh, They're trying to adjust it okay. to demand. Yeah. So, you know, um, fantastic. So there is an introductory course and then um there is another three-day workshop. There are like seven-day workshops. They're all over the country. Mm-hmm. And then um, eventually there's an apprentice program. Yeah. Okay. Which is sort of when you start getting mentored by industry Someone professionals. Someone who's yeah. in the industry. And then in terms of taking work as an intimacy coordinator or intimacy director, um, without being certified, I think honesty and transparency is super important in saying, hey, listen, at least this has been my case. Hey, listen, this is how much I've trained. Mm -hmm. I really want to explore this certain moment or this certain physicality. Um, And 
saying yes to situations that are a little safer for me. So I would say yes to a situation right now that was like working with friends on a short film where I felt like I had a strong relationship with the director and could kind of navigate it. I've talked, called with Olivia, like have been like, uh, this is how it went. Well, how would you advise me to have handled this situation and just kind of use it as a trial ground safely. Um, where are you at in the process specifically? You've taken like, is it a set number of hours? Uh, I, so I wish, I mean, I've just like put together, I create, I created a workshop with, um, Rachel Fletcher who, works as an intimacy coordinator in Los Angeles. And by that, I mean, I reached out to her. We scheduled like a three, two days, two day workshop with um, five other uh, people I had met from a previous workshop at someone's home in West LA. Okay. And we just like continued our training that way. Okay. Um, I know there are shadowing opportunities um, out there. And um, so do you kind of go through like workshops into testing out with like a safe safe situations that you're familiar with Mm -hmm. kind of like is it kind of like this is a terrible comparison but like your acting career how you're like training some in an unspecific non-lateral way that's what I found but Olivia's been doing it longer than I have well so I think the thing that I would add to this conversation is really a good parallel for me is um like fight and stunt work Mm -hmm. so like you the way it is different than an acting career is that if you do this poorly, people can get deeply hurt, hurt. Mm-hmm. like okay. deep, deeply hurt, right? Like the, the stakes of this job are extremely high. Um, God forbid you have someone who, you know, we hear stories all the time about like very, very corrupt entertainment people. What happens when one of those people is an intimacy director, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. imagine. So like the potential for what could go wrong, like I'm like being totally transparent. Yeah, please. it's pretty It's pretty scary to think about, you know, like, and so. And in- would completely negate all the work that exactly. people have been doing for, I mean, before IDI or for before Me Too or yeah. all of this yeah. work, like the movement. 10 years prior, it would negate all of that. And then no one would trust anyone. Exactly. And <laughs> so it's, um, and you know, the reason I, I, I really do take the comparison to like, um, you know, going through and becoming someone who's certified to do fighter stunt work is that like you, you like to, in order to do this work well, you have to have a really nuanced understanding of power dynamics, of trauma informed care, of mental health first aid. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to clock if someone is dissociating. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to like see, you know, obviously you can't prevent. You can't prevent everything that could possibly go wrong, yeah. but it's your responsibility to keep people safe. So, mm-hmm. do you learn about that kind of stuff in some of the workshops? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, those are those are really cool. I, would, sub- yeah. I mean, not cool, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, very exactly. Interesting yeah. subjects because you know there's a lot of people who disassociate on a yeah. regular basis. I know. <laughs> I know. I to know. Learn more about that. Yeah. Um, mental health first aid is a yeah, awesome thing, resource, and free thing anyone can do. I think it is should be like mandatory for a human being to take this mental health first aid course in addition to serving or working in the service industry. I think just like every human on the planet should do that at some point. Um, Mental health first aid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something anyone can do. And a lot of times you can do it for free. We can give you the website and you can put it on. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think there are others. I guess for anyone who's interested in this field, Mm -hmm. I think my big thing would be like, train a ton okay. keep asking questions like there are a couple different organizations um and we'll like we'll link these on the yeah, show yeah. so you guys can look at them check them totally. out totally um the big thing is just like 
remember, you know, like I, I came into this work having spent like seven years with in, in, um, holding equally, uh, sexual assault prevention activism and theater work. So I came in with like a pretty solid knowledge on primed the, for this. Yeah. Like the way that, um, sexual assault can work and the way that sexual harassment can work. And because of that, like some of this, I'm still learning a ton, but really there are things about this work that f- are super nuanced and that like, while the enthusiasm for it is so exciting and amazing and I don't want to take any of that away, there is a sense that like sometimes you can hear about, you know, like like being an intimacy coordinator on the new HBO show and you're like, I love sex. I love television. <laughs> I could do that, you <laughs> know? Perfect. And like that sounds super fun and, and parts of it are fun, but it's also like a really hard high stakes job, you know? Yeah. And so I think the the only the real thing for people who are interested in this job is just like learn everything, read the body keeps the score, which is like about the way trauma works in the body. Mm -hmm. Like think about yourself. Think about when you have actually effectively communicated your own boundaries. Have you Mm -hmm. even thought about what your boundaries are today? I haven't. Olivia, what are your boundaries today? (laughs) Um, my Uh, stomach's really bloated. I don't want anyone to touch it. You know, like exactly. How often do we even ask ourselves that question? Like in order to do this work, there's so much retraining we need to do from living in a society where we're not allowed to say no so it's just a lot of work I also think it's important um to not be coming into this work from a place of like revenge or feeling like you're an actor who has been taken advantage of and like it's really important to heal that Mm -hmm. trauma and before you can sort of jump into then helping other people um on set or amplifying their voice on set I think uh because then you'll have your own agenda, right? Yeah. So really, uh, I mean, be your own advocate first. Yeah. Yeah. Then go, go to a therapist. Like, yeah, right. Heal yourself. No, really. Truly. I think, I mean, I think everyone should be in therapy. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's a whole podcast. I think she interview a therapist. (laughs) I should. It's someone who works with actors. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. Um, the one other thing I would say about this work for people who are interested in it is, um, also just being really honest with yourself about what you bring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I know that I come to this work like as a queer survivor of sexual violence. And so I feel comfortable taking on work that um, is about queer love stories. Like I, I, I know that lived experience, right? But like what would it mean for myself as a white person to come in and choreograph a scene that like has to do with sexual violence based in uh, racial discrimination, right? Mm. Then I'm coming in as a white person with inherent privilege and like bringing power into a situation that's a story about power. And so really knowing that sex and intimacy are these profound sites of power in the stories we tell. And if you're not being honest with yourself about what power you bring into a situation, then you're not kind of being aware of, of how we affect stories. Like as we're all becoming more aware of like what it means to really be intersectional and know like the power and privilege we're bringing into any given situation. Um, it's important to know that like who's in the room when we tell these stories, who's benefiting from these stories, whose stories are we telling and how can we tell them responsibly? I think those are all the questions we're asking as we, as we make intimacy work, as we make work in general. Um, so yeah, I think the big thing is being honest with yourself and and then, you know, like consent forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. 
Um, we're going to do a rapid fire after this, so I'm going to ask you guys more like fun, lighter questions. Great. I know. This <laughs> um, is a little heavy. No, yeah. but, no but I want to talk about real stuff because yeah. this is important and I don't think this conversation is happening. And um, especially with, you know, we're getting articles about, oh, she quit the show because she was being difficult, but it actually turns out that she was like yeah. s- such and such actor was actually being, you know, bullied into a basically right. a power position of, of yeah. sexual conduct that she wasn't interested in. And mm-hmm. I think this is an amazing subject and um i'll put you guys uh obviously on the instagram and in the show notes for this um is there anything else you guys you want to point people to any of your own resources or something you're working on project wise and it doesn't have to do with necessarily this like if someone's like oh i want to do a student film and i want to hire someone um who's newer maybe to yeah work with i mean or something like that. i'll plug myself yeah, i would please. love um opportunity to work on student films short films mm-hmm. um so that i can grow and just learn and my rate is low because oh i need God. experience so um yeah hit me up you can uh Great. I can give you my email or something like that. Perfect. I'll be yeah. in the show notes. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, I am, I am, I think I'm a pretty good intimacy director. Yeah, <laughs> uh, So, like, oh definitely, if you, if you want to, want to do that, I think I'm, I think I'm a pretty good option. Uh, and uh, I also, so I, I run a theater company called Project Nongenu, um, where we, uh, Centralized Voices of Women and Marginalized People in Classical Theater and Mythology. Um, And we're always sort of building our community. Um, I'm also a part of a group. So my theater company spearheaded recently um, a survey for the Los Angeles entertainment community on the sexual harassment that people have experienced in the industry so that we can eventually pitch, um, like, pitch a code of conduct. Was that the survey that I took not that long ago with it a lot of questions? Very possible. It said like LA Community Climate Survey on it. Yes, I think I took yes, that. Yes, I wrote that. I, yay! <laughs> it was like intricate. It went from like one yeah. subject to the next and it, yeah, 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 I yeah. took that. I took yeah. that. Um, so, I think they sent out to SAG people, didn't they? Um, well, we're, we're trying to get it to SAG, yeah. Okay, somebody um, sent it to me and I took it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. that makes me super duper happy. Uh, so yeah, we're trying to get the data there to be like, hello, this is a problem in our industry, mm. but um, that is actually, so our company wrote it, but, uh, it's, we're sort of getting bolstered by this, um, small, uh, kind of coalition of people called safety net. Um, it's all people sort of just pushing to get intimacy direction and intimacy coordination into the world. And also to address like the fact that sexual harassment is just normalized in this industry right. because that's wild. That's a totally wild thing. So, mm-hmm. um, Definitely reach out to me via Project Nonjanu or, um, you know, whatever else if you want to get more involved in any of those kind of grassroots efforts or if you need a director or an intimacy director. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, ladies, so yeah. much. This has been fucking fascinating. All right, guys, I will talk to you in just a bit. Thank you so much, Claire and Olivia. I learned so much today, and I feel like I have so much more to learn that this podcast pointed out. All the links they talked about will be in the show notes for this podcast on onebrokeactress.com. And be sure to check out the Instagram for their a little more lighthearted, fun, rapid-fire questions video. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, this podcast is created and hosted by Sam Valentine with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative. Our theme song is by the magical Maggie Zabo. And of course, this podcast is sponsored by We Audition. Weaudition.com. Use code BROKE25 for a $7.50 a month membership. 
you've been thinking about it. I know you have been thinking about getting that membership. Get that membership. Hop on. Join me. I'll read a script with you. It'll be fun. All right, guys. I will talk to you next week.